0: check it out Come am to what you're saying yo uh-huh. silly with your ice really with the dilly yo when i be on the mic yes i do my duty yo while up in the club like we're in the
1: studio welcome I'm in to one four one for alongside tj hernandez i'm holding kushner and before we get going because we got the week one pricing out for draft kings it's gonna be a fun week for you tell me about the music there tj
0: yeah, we got a little Buster Rhymes, Put Your Hands Where My Eyes Could See, from his 1997 album, When Disaster Strikes, and uh, I, I think there's a good portion of our listeners that might not even have been born when this song came out, Came out, so I think every week we'll just uh, play a song and talk about how old we are.
1: Well, can I tell a personal story real quick before we get into this? Please, the- please. Okay. Well, one night, I'm doing a show at... At the time it was XM. So this is probably 2006, 2007, right around, maybe even 2005. And I'm doing a show in our sports studio. And all of a sudden you just hear this bass just boom, boom. And our studio is actually shaking, like legit shaking in the background. So I'm trying to do a radio show and you could pick up the bass on our feed. So I told my producer, I'm like, dude, you got to go. I don't know what is going out there. You got to go out there and tell them to do something. So. We go to a break. Producer goes out about 30 seconds later. They turn the music up. My producer comes back in like pale white. And I said, what happened? He goes, dude, Buster Rhymes is out there and his bodyguard <laughs> just pulled up his shirt. There's a gun. And I'm not telling him to do that ever again. So <laughs> I'm a huge Buster Rhymes fan, but I also find it a little bit dangerous and disrespectful. So I'm a little iffy on today's choice. But I'll go with it. That is my one Buster Rhymes story. I didn't even see him. I heard him and his bodyguard was not very happy with my producer.
0: Well, if you want to if you want to fade Buster Rhymes, you can go to the DFS MVP <laughs> Spotify playlist. Yes.
1: And yes. uh, we got we have
0: all of the intro music from the, the greatest intro music in podcast history available. Just go DFS MVP on Spotify.
1: Fine work, TJ Hernandez. Fine work. <laughs> all right, so we got an initial reaction to the DraftKings Week 1 pricing released last week. You can check out TJ's full article on 444. 4. It's titled, A First Look at DraftKings Week 1 Pricing. Very original. Very original. But I think it gets to the point. Um, I've already read it, and I'm looking forward to talking to you about that. But... Also want to remind you, if you like winning at Daily Fantasy Sports, we got the DF MVP promo 25% off when you uh, type in DFS MVP into our, uh, our website when you want the best DFS knowledge out there. So 25% off, TJ. Quite the deal.
0: Great deal for a, a lot of great tools. We got a lot of really good content coming out this month from uh, myself and all of our other DFS writers. Just some some primers on some of the theory that we're going to be talking about throughout the season, uh, stacking ownership, uh, everything you could think of that pertains to DFS as well as a, a overview of some of the updates on our tools. So uh, sign up now so you can get access to all of that before the season kicks off. You want to be familiar with everything going into week one.
1: Uh I still have my four for four t-shirt. Can I just give a five-star review to our show and automatically be entered to win?
0: Yeah, I think if you I think you might be able to pull some strings if you're employed by four for four, but if you're not and you leave a five-star review, uh it'll help your chances for sure.
1: Wonderful. So leave a five-star review, be automatically entered to win. Rate and review, t-shirt giveaway, five stars, do it. Let's get into our general observations here. DK week one. So you're looking at the contest here. One featured contest out. Tell us about that.
0: Yeah, they haven't released the, the full slate, but just looking at uh, at the pricing and the structure of the contest that they release. It's the, the play action at the $3 level, which is always one of their most popular contests at the top of the lobby, uh, regardless of, of what's out. Uh, it looks like that their rake is going to hold steady. It's really high for $3, 15.9%, but uh, it hasn't changed. So I'm assuming that means that the price points of the other contests will have a similar rake. So that's always good to note. Salary minimums are the same across the board. Uh, that's another thing that DraftKings has tweaked in the past couple of years, especially at tight end and quarterback. But it looks like the minimums have held steady this year. Decent job of making the prices uh, tight, at least for a, a slate that's over a month away. Still, uh, we were talking about it a little bit off air. Looks like they at least gave themselves a little bit of a buffer. Some of those ambiguous situations or or backups, just in case someone gets hurt. Instead of uh, take running back, for example, instead of making like a a Matt Breida three thousand, those guys are in the four to forty five hundred range. So. Um, I, I'm I'm assuming that just so we don't have some crazy value open up by week one.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And I actually like them kind of, you know, protecting themselves there. So if somebody goes, let's say Fournette goes down, Corey Grant is not a three thousand dollar player; he's a four thousand dollar player. Right. I mean, it's still it makes a difference. Games, but it does make a difference. A huge a thousand dollars in a DK lineup's huge. Mm-hmm. So I like that. I yeah, like-
0: especially just because other positions look decently priced. So that that's a good job by DraftKings. There, I like that.
1: What do you like more, that or Gronk's price?
0: <laughs> the uh, I've, we're a little late to this because the salaries have been out for a week, but they made Gronk's they the algorithm quote unquote made Gronk's price a a nice hashtag nice round sixty nine hundred. There's no way that wasn't on purpose.
1: Really, you don't think the algorithm came up with that? The algorithm wasn't smart enough to come up with sixty nine hundred.
0: I don't know if they have a hashtag brand <laughs> built into their algorithm.
1: All right, let's let's get into the uh, little correlation here between the salaries and the uh, the quarterbacks and the pass catchers. So most of the QB price fits with the pass catchers, and I know you singled out two undervalued quarterbacks in particular: Big Ben on one side, six thousand six hundred, and then you get a combined fourteen five with AB and Juju. And then how about, how about the Giants and Eli Manning? I mean. He was a stankopotamus last year. It was it was ugly the last two years with Eli. But at the current price he's at, and you can pair him up with a receiver or two, maybe this is something where you're looking at yourself saying, I got to get a little bit a little bit of shares of Eli in the Giants passing game in some tournaments.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I just went through really quickly, and usually uh, week in, week out, and then throughout the course of the season, uh, if we compare the pass catchers to their quarterbacks, the prices are are going to follow a, a trend line that uh, correlates pretty highly. And it makes sense. I mean, the quarterbacks and their pass catchers are highly correlated. So the ones in the in the best position are, are going to have the, the highest salaries and vice versa. Uh, I took the top two pass catchers from each team and then compared them to uh, the quarterbacks just to see if there's any huge outliers. So these aren't necessarily uh, targets, but just based on that trend line, there are some players uh, or teams that stood out and Uh, You mentioned Big Ben and Eli, and I think the first thing people will say is, "Well, yeah, they have uh, Odell and Antonio, so of course uh, it's going to throw it out of whack a little bit." But then you look at uh, you look at teams like the Saints or the Chargers, and their quarterbacks are priced uh, pretty much on par with what we would expect with a premier pass catcher. So, uh, I mean, Big Ben uh, sixty six hundred price pretty decently in a game where the uh, Steelers are pretty big favorites expected to put up a pretty nice win total and then uh, Odell and, um, Evan Ingram are, have a combined salary of 11,700, but Eli is priced at just $4,700. So he's priced really low relative to his past catchers. Sometimes that can be indicative of value. So I always just kind of want to look for that. Uh, again, not necessarily guys I'm going to force into my lineups or target, but something that the algorithm, uh, maybe doesn't uh, missed or, or just has an inconsistency.
1: The algorithm does not travel down narrative street. And I think, big ben (laughs) 6600 there he slid down a little bit he's not happy about mason rudolph i'm legit fascinated to see how big ben performs this year from a narrative perspective only i mean Mm -hmm. we know what he's got around him we know what he's done in the past but they should be interested with big ben so again at 6600 and then you go on the other side of things the undervalued pass catchers so you've got the dallas situation carolina and then jacksonville And let's start with Jacksonville here for a second, because Blake Bortles' real life is a horrible uh, quarterback, according to most. In fantasy football, Blake Bortles is a decent quarterback, depending on the matchup. I mean, this is a guy that is always very low-owned that can win you some money.
0: He's going to get it uh, done on the ground at the very least. And, and, uh, he, he's, he's going to throw a few interceptions, but, uh, he's just done it in the, in the fourth quarter a lot. And we see his, his top two pass catchers, Marquise Lee and Dante Moncrief combined for just an $8,900 salary. So we have, uh, two pass catchers. Uh, priced relative to a quarterback that's kind of in the middle of, of quarterback pricing, uh, just $3,000 more combined. So yeah, Bortles is going to be a pretty decent fantasy quarterback. And I think that especially early in the season when we have these really ambiguous wide receiver situations, I think people are going to be really scared off by, especially this this team, the Jaguars, where everyone's having a pretty hard time figuring out what the pecking order is going to be. Uh, Two highest-priced guys are still pretty cheap, so you can you can put together some some cheap stacks. And if for whatever reason you like Bortles in this matchup against the Giants, uh, it makes sense to grab one or two of his pass catchers.
1: Yep, and again, with Jacksonville, they let Allen Robinson walk. Hearns is gone. We'll talk about Hearns and Dallas in a second, but you think about the talent that they have, a wide receiver, that they, they let Hearns and Robinson walk. They've got Marquise Lee. They brought in Dante Moncrief. Keelan Cole had a... a couple of yeah. brilliant games and dd westbrook too so i think there's actually weapons there for bortles especially when you you throw sure. in Fournette net and then grant on third downs bortles has a lot of weapons around him tj
0: a lot of weapons. Uh, the one concern, obviously, is that offense with uh, with Doug Marone. Just they they're very very run heavy. I think they're going to uh, continue to be very run heavy, especially if their defense plays as well as they did last year, which I, I don't think is a given. But this is a team that that does want to run the ball, and and we did see that a little bit uh, into the playoffs. You mentioned Didi Westbrook and and Keelan Cole while they're. Target shares were relatively high uh, going down the stretch and into the playoffs. Their target numbers, their volume overall was a little bit low. So that's something to keep an eye on.
1: All right, so let's move on to a couple of teams. We'll start with Dallas. So Dax at 5,500 on DK. And then you can go 8,700 combined for Allen Hearns and Michael Gallup. And Gallup has been making some plays at camp. He's the third-round rookie uh, coming on for the Cowboys. They're even lining up Cole Beasley on the outside. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, this is really a dart throw with dallas though and the pass catchers in week one
0: yeah and this is exactly uh why i mentioned up top that this doesn't mean they're players that i target it's just salaries that are uh out of whack for what they should be And if we're comparing uh pass catchers and quarterbacks Dak's going to be uh uh usually a pretty nice four floor play because he is going to uh, get it done with his legs a fair amount. And that's probably the most obvious reason why his salary's out of whack with his pass catchers. But uh, Alan Hearns, he's a guy that's going to be uh, the, the clear number one. I just don't know who else is going to command a big target share. They were talking about Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott uh, running some more routes and, and getting some more work in the passing game, but they don't have a clear number one. I think Hearns has to be that guy. And uh, it shows here that he's pretty cheap relative to his quarterback. We'll
1: see if he could stay healthy up until week one, because that's enough yeah. injured Alan Hearns. And then in Carolina, yeah. Cam sitting at 6,900, and then Greg Olson and, uh, and Devin Funches. And I know DJ Moore is getting a lot of play here in a, in a mm-hmm. preseason, but to expect a rookie to come out in that offense, I think is going a little too far.
0: Yeah, DJ Moore is going to be lucky if he's fourth in the pecking order. Not to min- uh, not just Funches and Olsen. You still have to remember uh, Christian McCaffrey is going to command a huge number of targets there. And again, uh, Cam is is one of those safer plays because uh, he gets it done with his legs. I think he's priced as the the QB two. Uh, so when you have that disconnect between him and his pass catchers, Greg Olson and Funches combined for just a, a ten thousand six hundred dollars salary. But two guys that are are great in the red zone. Especially especially. especially Olsen he's been he's been dominant in the red zone when he has been healthy uh paired up with Cam that's something that you want to pay attention to and uh I mean Cam is a passer he's going to be volatile but he's also going to uh he's going to throw it up he's going to throw it deep and that volatility means a lot of upside so uh I like that, uh, even if you don't want a roster cam, uh, kind of arbitrage play with Olsen or Funchess, I think is a good idea.
1: All right. Let's move on to positional price versus positional ADP. So mm-hmm. here's a, you throw this out there. Let me know why you think, or why it's even interesting to you to throw out ADP, which is a season long evaluator as opposed to, you know, the week one price.
0: Yeah, I think obviously pricing, uh, it's going to factor in specific matchups. It's going to factor in, uh, how a player should be valued, uh, on their offense for that specific game. But also there's just a lot of ambiguity going into the season. There are situations where, uh, we don't know the value of a player or really the value of a defense. So I think this can at least give us a good idea where, uh, maybe the pricing algorithms off or on, on the other side of it, where, uh, our intuition as a fantasy community is off. Um, obviously it's not going to be perfect because of the factors uh, ADP and, and price are, are different, but early in the season, it's just something to think about. If you're really high on a player, or the public's really high on a player. I've talked about this before. Uh, that probably means they might be a breakout candidate. That means they're going to be undervalued going into the season. Maybe their price is out of whack. The example I always go back to is uh, Allen Robinson a couple of years ago. It took the pricing algorithm uh, three or four weeks to catch up to him, but the, the fantasy community was pretty high on him. And if you followed that over into daily fantasy, you probably made uh, some good money early on in the year. So it's, it's something to at least look at, especially in week one when there's just a lot of question marks.
1: All right, so you look at the positional price, in the positional ADP Burkhead running back 42 Versus his 32 ADP at $4,200 mm-hmm. I mean you can't uh, Rex Burkhead's just sitting there Everybody's looking at their chops Russell Wilson, Chris Hogan, Andy Dalton, Marcus Mariota uh, The other names So if you want to talk about any of those players and I guess Chris Hogan maybe Because we got the news that Jordan Matthews Is all likely not going to be a part of the Patriots this year So uh, if they bring in Decker or somebody else Maybe that even means another couple of more targets for Chris Hogan
0: Hogan's definitely the most intriguing one, intriguing one on this list. I'll talk a, a little bit more about Burkhead and Wilson when we jump into the positions, but uh, obviously his ADP's pushed down because uh, Edelman's going to be back, back in that offense after four weeks. But uh, the fact that DraftKings is telling us that they value Chris Hogan as a top 15 wide receiver should definitely uh, raise some eyebrows. And and when we see that, it's it's still a relatively affordable price on in a game where I, I think New England... Um, has obviously a lot of scoring upside because the the spread and the over under tells us that, but uh, just because he might be the number two target behind Gronk and and he could see he could see double digit targets in this one. All
1: right, so let's move on to quarterback here, TJ. Sure. And we'll start with Eli Manning because he's cheaper than a couple of backups. The question is, Shermer's a new coach trying to beef up the offensive line. They get him Saquon Barkley. You know the wide, Odell Beckham is back and healthy now but the question is is Eli washed up or is he the guy that you know averaged nine fantasy points per game in weeks 14, 16 and 17 is he the guy that scored 31 against Philadelphia in week 15 or is he somewhere in between but no matter what when you look at the price for Eli Manning uh, he would have to be he'd have to be really really bad not to hit value.
0: It's just really funny when I go through the salaries and I see something like this. We have Brian Hoyer and, and Landry Jones priced at forty nine hundred and Eli priced at forty seven with the arguably the the best or at least a top three wide receiver in the league. Uh I think if we talk about where he is on a sliding scale of skill and if he's on the downside, he's probably closer to the bad side of that scale. But uh in a week where there's going to be ownership and and rosters all over the place just because it is week one. It's worth noting those complete punt quarterbacks that uh, have at at least the best receiver in the league to throw to probably not a guy that I'll end up owning or owning a lot of, but just a note that I wanted to make on pricing.
1: I think a fascinating name here that we're going to debate all the way up until game time is going to be Russell Wilson at Mm -hmm. 6200 because they go to Denver and I still think something's left of the tank here in this Denver defense. They did lose Tlaib. They, they did yep. lose T.J. Ward. But, I mean, to think that this Broncos defense is going to go in a can, I, I'm not buying that yet. Um, wasn't Wilson the number one overall fantasy quarterback in season long last year? And if he wasn't, he was right up there again. Uh, their run game? Question marks once again. Offensive line question marks once again. Mm -hmm. Who the hell knows what's going on with Doug Baldwin? So it's a good thing this isn't week one coming up because Doug Baldwin would not be available. If they're stuck with Tyler Lockett and Brandon Marshall and some of these other guys in week one, I mean, Russell Wilson's going to be debated. And and right now I'm looking at Russell Wilson at 6,200. I don't see myself having very many shares of him.
0: Yeah, he's he's priced uh, relatively low to what his ceiling and just what his personal averages in terms of uh, scoring rates and percent of the offense. He's the QB9. Uh, I mean, this isn't the no-fly zone that we saw last year without Talib and Ward. And even last year when they did have their uh, their their full uh, secondary, the, the full no-fly zone, Denver allowed 11 opponents to exceed their implied point total last year. So teams were scoring more than expected against this defense. And I talked about ambiguous situations uh, at the beginning of the podcast, and we don't know what this offense is going to be. They have a rookie running back that's supposed to start, Chris Carson. It looks like he's pushing for starter touches, a new offensive coordinator in Schottenheimer. But Russell Wilson is the constant, and he is this offense's backbone. He put up QB number. QB1 numbers as you mentioned with those offensive line problems last year he's going to account for a huge percentage of the rushing yards regardless of who's in the backfield he's accounted for 82% of the total yards 85% of the Seahawks total touchdowns over the last two years Um, only Matthew Stafford's 80% of Detroit's yards is uh, close to that he's the only other quarterback with 80% uh, in either category so the fact that Russell Wilson accounts for such a big percentage of this offense against a defense that probably has dropped off at least a little bit, uh, I think makes it worth noting. The, the concerns that you bring up are definitely legitimate concerns, especially if Doug Baldwin, who we're going to talk about a little bit more later on, um, isn't a go. That may, That throws a huge wrench in the plans.
1: Well, let's get to a guy. You just wrote an article, I think it was last week, about TG, mm-hmm. TD regression candidates. And TD regression could actually be positive sometimes if Phil Rivers was on your list. Now, he's going 6,400 against the Kansas City Chiefs. I got, I got my own reasons for fading Philip Rivers uh, mm-hmm. anywhere near cash and probably not having as much exposure to him as I sense that you're going to have. But there is a case to be made for Phil Rivers in week one. What is it?
0: Uh, a few of thing, a few of the things that I I like to do is I've already mentioned, um, those those players that are are going to break out or bounce back, um, targeting them early in the year before their price spikes in DFS, and then uh, just looking for that second tier of games in terms of over under or implied point total. We talked about that. Uh, I think on last week's pod, a lot of people are going to be targeting those top tier of games, but there's a lot of value to be had uh, in that second tier, and I think this Chargers and Chiefs game is one of those games. I think as sneaky shootout potential. Uh, Phillip Rivers, as you mentioned, is a a player that uh, should have had uh, a lot more touchdowns than he actually did. If if we looked at red zone expected value, a metric that I've built that basically shows uh, how many points a player should score based on the starting field position of their red zone attempts, We would have expected Philip Rivers to rank fifth in red zone touchdowns, but he ranked 15th. Obviously no Hunter Henry. Uh, puts a huge dent in that, but I think he still has really nice weapons with uh, Keenan Allen, Tyrell Williams, Mike Williams, and then uh, Melvin Gordon just adds to that offense. So I, I just think he's a, in a decent situation at an affordable price, and he's someone that stood out to me as I scrolled Before the list. Before we
1: get into um, numbers here, is there ever something during a, a fantasy football season you say, all right, this team – Like here, I'll just use a, a local team, the Redskins. Every year, the Redskins seem to get mm-hmm. torched by tight ends. Is there anything you ever look at sure. and just say, okay, here's something, here's a team or a position or something that I will focus on. Don't, don't have to look at the numbers right away, but I have a sense that this is going to be either a really good week for tight ends or it's going to be a really bad week for, for, uh, for, for a defense. Is there any time you ever do that, or does it always have to be about numbers?
0: Do you mean just, just overall, overall, or are we just talking about like really yeah, white trends? at any
1: point in time during the season.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think probably if we're talking about tight ends specifically um, a lot of times when, when people are looking at positive game script, they're looking at uh, running backs, but they forget that tight ends tend to benefit from a positive game script. Not quite as much, but it it definitely helps uh, a noticeable amount. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm looking for matchups, but I think something that. That uh, I've often gets overlooked in a quote-unquote bad matchup is tight end is just so touchdown dependent that if an offense has high touchdown equity or or high uh, red zone passing rates, then that could be a a situation where I'm I am looking at tight ends. So I guess that's a really long way of answering that uh, I'm kind of looking up okay, the numbers. Well, still, you
1: know what? I'm I'm getting a sense of something because I've watched a lot of Chiefs games over the. My first job ever was running a camera on the sidelines at Arrowhead Stadium, getting run over by Thurman Thomas. I kid you not. And when I look at, and I watch, I still watch a lot of Chiefs games. I love the Chiefs. There's a quarterback in the division that seemingly every year they seem to shut down, and his name is Phil Rivers. I In the last six games <laughs> yeah. against Kansas City, he's thrown four touchdowns and ten picks. Now, I'm sure we can – Ben numbers other ways, but I'm just looking at the way it is. Two twenty-seven in one game, two thirty-seven the next game. Let's go back to two thousand sixteen. We're not we're talking, you know, no multiple touchdown games here, uh, without interceptions. Then he went for two sixty-nine, two and two year before that. Uh two forty-three, one and zero. What I'm looking at here, no real blow up games against the Kansas City Chiefs since Mm -hmm. 2013. I think Phillip Rivers against the Chiefs, this is just a team that he has had a hard time, maybe not beating, but a hard time putting big numbers up against.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think I vaguely remember. I believe it was Jonathan Bales did did some work, uh, just looking at uh, division games and how they relate to quarterback play. I, I believe it was specifically quarterback play, and and I think he said something to the the line of. Um, especially in the second division game is where we tend to see a big drop off. So uh, if we, if we just look at the first one, I mean, we're still looking at a, a relatively small sample, but again, it, there's def, there's something to be said about these opponents being familiar, familiar with each other. And obviously these teams play each other twice a year, uh, Rivers is a quarterback that if we look at his fantasy output from week to week, he's one of the most consistent in the league. He's going to put up uh, very steady starter numbers, but that consistency also means a lack of upside. So I think you're onto something there. Uh, he's not necessarily going to win you a week on his own. And if he does, it's going to be pretty rare. Uh, so those are definitely points to take into account.
1: All right. So let's get into the other guy, Andrew Luck. Love it. Absolutely love that he's back. All of a sudden, T.Y. Hilton is relevant again. Maybe their running game gets a little boost. I know you're going to get to a tight end from their team a little bit later on. What do you think about Andrew Luck? 6,100 against the Cincinnati Bengals.
0: I think we'll probably touch on this a couple of times, and it's something that I keep in the back of my mind when I'm building lineups early in the DFS season and really just fantasy football in general. If we're talking about trades or wave wire pickups, people are scared of the unknown, especially fantasy footballers. We see it in ADP every year. Um, take someone like Des Bryant this year. When he signs, his ADP is going to spike, whether it's a good situation or a bad situation, and that's because people are going to know where he's at and know how to evaluate the situation. When free agents are floating, their ADP is depressed. It's a similar concept when we go into the DFS season. We haven't seen Andrew Luck play in – over a year uh, that's going to lead to a depressed salary. And with that depressed salary is going to go depressed ownership. People are going to, to fear the unknown. And instead of taking advantage of what's probably going to end up being the lowest salary of the season for him, they're going to wait to see if he gets it done and then react and ownership's going to be high and you're going to miss the boat on it. Uh, th- his last time he was fully healthy for a season. He was never priced below the QB eight on DraftKings. He was priced outside the top five quarterbacks, just five times off all year. He's prices at QB 10 going into week one versus an average Bengals secondary. The uh, Colts are going to get to start at home in the dome on the fast track for TY. So just price and value uh, alone without anything else, without any projections or value. Uh, I think going into the season, he's a guy that you want to take advantage of before his price spikes into that top five, which I think it eventually will.
1: Yeah, and I think as far as the Bengals go with their defense, um, they had a lot more problems stopping the run last year. Mm-hmm. They brought in uh, Baker and a couple other guys to shore that up. But I, I think Andrew Luck at this point against the Bengals is looking terrific. And, um, and 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 something else to get into, too, is there's a direct correlation between fantasy points with the arrow going up and home favorites,
0: too, right? Absolutely. Uh, almost in every position except for wide receiver. We see it, especially with quarterbacks. Uh, people still get this wrong a lot. They uh, they think that if you get a, a quarterback just in a shootout or a quarterback that's going to be in catch-up mode, that they are going to uh, be able to throw more and they think about that volume. But with quarterbacks, we need that efficiency and home and as a favorite is where you get the most uh efficient situations when they're playing from behind defenses know it's coming pin their ears back. that's not a cliche that really does hurt um a quarterback's upside leads to more sacks more turnovers obviously those turnovers lead to less scoring situations. so we want positive game scripts for our quarterbacks
1: all right how about uh case Keenum so about that we talk about one side with Russell Wilson what about the other side with the Denver quarterback who is apparently Got a lot of chemistry with Emmanuel Sanders, Demarius Thomas. It's not like these guys went horrible overnight. They had horrible quarterbacks. I mean, Case <laughs> Keenum is at least a a competent quarterback. So I feel like Keenum going to Denver is going to give a little spike to Sanders and and Thomas and maybe one of the the young wide receiver threes that they've uh, that they drafted as well. But. What are your thoughts on Keenum against a Seattle defense, which has just been decimated by guys leaving?
0: Yeah, I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in depth in terms of the secondaries when we get to the wide receivers. But I think this Denver-Seattle game is just a good sneaky game to stack because people have uh, the no-fly zone, and then they have the the Legion of Boom. They both have those titles looming over them, and probably the public is going to go into the year thinking these defenses are still ones to be reckoned with. Denver still might be, uh, but on the other side of it, these aren't the same defenses for these teams that we've seen in the past. Uh, I, I like Keenum's pass catchers. I've talked about this before, the concentrated passing game of Demaryius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. He knows where he's going to be throwing the ball. He knows that these receivers are going to be reliable. I do think we saw Keenum ceiling last year. I think he played a little bit over his head, especially down the stretch, but he's competent enough to where in a game like this, we can see some fireworks.
1: Absolutely. Love this game. And then Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, again, real life quarterback, not that good. Fantasy quarterback, in a game against the New Orleans Saints, where he's probably going to be throwing a whole bunch on the road, on top of that, sitting there at $5,000. He's priced the same as Joe Flacco, Ooh. 100 less than Case Ke- I'd still rather have Case Keenan at 5,100, but I mean, we're talking about a $5,000 quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick, 15, 18 points. Uh, Fitzpatrick might even be cash viable at this point.
0: It depends what you want to do at some of these other positions. If you're going to try to jam some of the more expensive running backs, you're going to have to punt somewhere. Uh, In cash game, quarterbacks and tight ends is usually a good spot to do that if you could find a value quarterback. Fitz burned a lot of people last year. I think the most notable one was against the Jets. Uh, Jets were an awful secondary, and I think he ended up putting up uh, close to zero, maybe even a negative. I can't remember, but it was really bad. Uh, That being said, Fitzpatrick does have some uh, sneaky, safe floor to him because he's a guy that he's often going to get you 30 yards rushing. He's a sneaky Konami code dude. Uh, And this is a game that people are going to be really heavy on the New Orleans side of it. And I think for really good reason, Uh, Saints are expected to score a, a lot of points against a very questionable secondary. But we do know from articles like our stacking article on 4 for 4 that opposing quarterbacks are correlated, and although New Orleans' secondary did play very well last year, a lot of their their stats and the, a lot of the reasons that they look like a good secondary is because they had 20 interceptions. Uh, interceptions don't carry over from year to year. It's a very random stat. The year-to-year correlation over the last 10 years is less than .2, so that basically means no correlation. It's all over the place. Uh, when they're getting those turnovers, uh, you're, you're just – Killing game script for the other team. One or two turnovers can be detrimental to the upside or even to the floor of a quarterback. So I don't think we can go in and automatically assume that the Saints are going to be forcing as many turnovers as they did last year. So it's something to keep in mind.
1: All right, listening to DFS MVP. He's TJ Hernandez. I'm holding Cush on four for four.com. I also have a new podcast called Fantasy First. It's fantasy football news. I read it to you so that you don't have to read it yourself. It's really good. Less than 10 minutes, you got all the news. And in my latest uh, episode, TJ broke down the Browns wide receiver, really in passing game situation. And luckily for you, you don't have to hear about the Browns in this rundown for DK week one, because it's just not something we're going to get to. (laughs) So we'll move on to the running backs. And Dalvin Cook, I am so conflicted on on Dalvin Mm -hmm. Cook. You know, on one side of things, TJ, Dalvin Cook, the reports are, he looks amazing. Yeah, um, he'll probably be getting a nice workload, although Latavius Murray, Latavius Murray wasn't around at the beginning of last yeah. year. Dalvin Cook was there. Uh, th- there's plenty of studies out there that say that y- you'll lose between 15 and 30 percent of your production coming off an ACL. But again, it's Dalvin Cook on the Vikings. Where are you sitting on Dalvin Cook, who is getting a ton of steam behind his name right now? And you look at his pricing on DraftKings, and it's 6,200 against, last year, uh, the the worst rushing defense, which they probably, I mean, they can't be much worse than they were last year. But (laughs) Dalvin Cook, TJ, yes or no?
0: I go back to what I mentioned with Andrew Luck, and that's the fear of the unknown. I think uh, this is a great situation. Minnesota's one of the biggest favorites uh, of Week 1 against one of the worst run defenses in the league, and that should translate to, Uh, off-the-charts ownership. I don't know that he's going to have that off-the-charts ownership because he's coming off the ACL injury and people want to see him get it done. And it's another situation where we can get a running back that's probably going to be priced in the top five or six throughout the season at a depressed salary. Before that, price spikes. He was six in touches through four games last year uh, across the league. And i I don't know that i'm gonna be concerned about latavius Murray he every running back's gonna have some touchdowns vultured from them from an awful fullback or a quarterback sneak and that's Murray's real threat Murray's not a good running back. We've seen him put up some decent fantasy numbers because he's uh they've been buoyed by. Touchdowns. We saw it a few years ago in Oakland. I think he scored 12 touchdowns. Last year, he fell into the end zone quite a few times because of a lot of carries inside the five. Uh, But Dalvin Cook coming into the league last year, I think uh, a huge percentage of draft Knicks pegged him as the most talented back in uh, that draft. And he showed it early on in the season last year. Uh, This is a Minnesota team that, uh, sure, they have a new offensive coordinator, but I think they're and a new quarterback, but they're set up. Uh, to run quite a bit, the, it's a they even with Case Keenum and, and Diggs and Thielen having really good years last year, if we look at their past run splits, it still was more towards the run, especially in the red zone. Uh, I, I have to take the discount on Dalvin Cook, and uh, I, I don't know that much will change my mind going into week one.
1: So as bad as the Niners defense was against the run last year, you guys have, you've done a lot of work on this, you know, carryover from Year to year, right? So year to year, defensive fantasy points allowed. What are some of the things you've come up with through the numbers?
0: Yeah, I I think this is really important because we don't know – how good or bad most defenses are. It's its really volatile from year to year. Uh, very few def- defenses stay very good or very weak against certain positions. And I ran these numbers last year, but it's a 10-year sample. So uh, a slight update to 2017 stats wouldn't really change what we're looking at here. And what I found is Uh, In terms of fantasy points allowed to positions, the most sticky positions uh, in terms of opposing defenses are those running backs and wide receivers. So uh, teams that are going to be, are bad against running backs are are typically going to stay bad bad against receivers are typically going to stay bad uh, kind of all over the board with the other positions. But I went and look at a, a more detailed sample, look at the absolute worst, absolute best teams in these situations. And if we consider, uh, the, the best and the worst defenses, and that's bottom five, top five, the year-to-year correlation for running backs and wide receivers is 0.66. That's a very, very strong correlation. So in other words, those teams uh, that are very bad or very good are going to stay that way. Uh, it stays uh, kind of the same for quarterbacks. If we look at the ones that are in the top five against quarterbacks, those uh, teams tend to stay very, very good against quarterbacks. Tight ends are the one where it gets a little bit tricky year-to-year tight ends have ov- almost no correlation in terms of uh, points scored against a particular defense. And then if we look at those tails, the best teams and the worst teams, there's actually a negative correlation. So it actually flips teams that are very good against tight ends. One year can be very bad against tight ends the next year. Uh, and I think that just has a lot to do with tight end. There's, there's so few good tight ends in the league that if a team runs up against the schedule of a, even just a, a Travis Kelsey twice and a Gronk once that's going to really skew their tight end numbers. Tight ends rely so much on game script. They see such low volume that we often don't really know how good these teams are against tight ends. So what we can do with that information is where, while we can stick to the best and worst teams against other positions early in the year, we can actually flip flop against tight ends. So if, if someone thinks that teams are really, really good against tight ends, we could actually fade that player for, or, uh, good for tight ends, we could fade that player. If we think they're very good against tight ends, uh, we could actually target some of those players because a a lot of the public's going to be thinking about it the other way.
1: All right. So that's good information. Let's apply that here throughout the season, but let's get back to running Mm -hmm. backs. Two guys that you, we talked right after the schedule came out or the, the pricing came out, I should say. And the two guys, that you and I brought up immediately, Alex Collins, Stand, I, I love this guy at season long. I love him week one, 5,200 against Buffalo. And then Rex Burkhead sending a 4,200 4, against Houston, which just, I mean, that's a travesty right there. I don't know what the hell's going on. And Alex Collins, just from a, a, um, an opportunity standpoint and a talent standpoint. And the bills went out and invested a lot into their defensive tackles to improve what was a horrible run defense. We'll see if they could turn that around really quickly. In week one against the Baltimore Ravens, mm. I I have some major reservations as to whether or not that happens. Love Collins, love Burkett. Th-
0: these are the two guys. When I just scrolled in, I I love doing this even at the beginning of the week. Is just scrolling salaries before I look at projections, before uh, I look at what four for four thinks, because uh, it's it's just good to get an idea of where you stand personally and and see what matches up and what doesn't. Rex Burkhead, Alex Collins stood out above the field, just jumped off the page. Uh, Rex Burkhead is in a backfield where he might not quote unquote start, but you don't need to be the starter in the New England backfield to be productive. Uh, this team's averaged thirty two running back touches per game over the last two seasons uh with the way they use Rex Burkhead, even if sony michelle 's the starter, Burkhead can approach fifteen touches at a forty two hundred dollar salary and I think it was on the first day of camp Sony Michelle had to run laps for fumbling. that was his big problem in college and uh, we know how patient Bill Belichick is with that. And then uh, Alex Collins, pretty similar, uh, $5,200 here. So a little bit more expensive, but uh, in that that lower to, to middle half of, of RB2s, uh, he's priced as RB16 behind Mark Ingram, who isn't even going to be active for week one. So I think that's another little funny quirk in the pricing seventh in touches from weeks 8 through 17 last season uh going to be a home favorite. You mentioned Buffalo tried to shore up that defense a little bit, but uh Buff uh Baltimore's going to be one of the bigger favorites of the week. That good game script is something that we want to look for and I think something People forget about a lot is offensive players playing against a really bad offense. And Buffalo can be one of the worst offenses in the league this year. They have one of the worst offensive lines in the league, probably the worst quarterback situation. They don't have a starting receiver on their roster. And when you get those. Uh, those bad offenses, that means that the opponents, the Ravens in this situation, they're going to have a lot of good field position. That means a lot of good game script and a lot more favorable scoring situations because of those shorter fields.
1: So we'll move on from running back now, uh, unless there's somebody else you want to throw in there. I know I brought up Gio Bernard and Duke Johnson, but... I'm over that. Maybe uh, <laughs> um, I, I, we can
0: use... To- I think Gio fits into that category of those uh, potential breakouts or undervalued players going into the season that uh, you can target early on in DFS. We didn't really get to see Gio and Joe Mixon together last year healthy. Uh, Gio got hurt, and that's when Joe Mixon really started to take over uh, the huge touch share. And then I think it was in weeks. 12 through 16, give or take a week, that uh, Mixon was actually out for a couple games. so we, we don't really know what this offense is with two healthy uh, running backs in Geo and Mixon, and I think it's probably closer to like a, four, a 55-45 split than people probably think.
1: And then um, Duke Johnson wants to play uh, slot receiver. <laughs> So I don't have a strong he's he's asking I here. don't have a
0: strong week one take, but my hope is that they give him a wide receiver designation and we get the CJ Spiller uh running back in the wide receiver slot. I think it was 2012 with the Bills that we had that and it was like a, a cheat code for fantasy football. So that would be cool. And
1: Spiller ran for like a thousand yards that year. That yeah, was that was a fun was year. A I think
0: it was season. only on Yahoo, but if we can get DK to give uh to give Duke a wide receiver designation, that would be fun. So the,
1: speaking of the wide receivers, let's do it. Some, some big names here with Odell Beckham coming back. Doug Baldwin with a wrap on his leg, the aforementioned Emmanuel Sanders, but we'll start with a big guy here. 7k tough matchup. Odell Beckham though, the talent going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars and the price I mean it's been a long time since Odell Beckham has been at 7000.
0: I I want to go on on week 1 shows uh leading up to kickoff and and tout Odell Beckham and have every other person tell me that it's horrible because Jacksonville's really good. I I think I'm more excited about Odell than anybody on this slate uh because everybody has this perceived really tough matchup and wide receivers are the players that you want to target in quote-unquote bad matchups because they're the best wide receivers in the league. They could pop without good game script. It only takes one play. Uh, And Odell's a guy that we've seen do this in the past, $7,000. Again, another player coming off injury, fear of the unknown, player that you're probably going to get at the lowest price all season. He hasn't been priced below $8,000 on DraftKings since week 14 of 2014. That's almost, what? what's that, three and a half years ago. Uh, Jacksonville did rank first in mm-hmm. fantasy points allowed to wide receivers, but they didn't face a lot of good wide receivers. In four games against Antonio Brown and DeAndre Hopkins, uh, those two wide receivers averaged a 7-106-1 line for 25 DraftKings mm-hmm. points. Uh, and Jacksonville had the seventh easiest schedule against wide receivers last year. They faced uh, bottom eight Uh, I'm sorry, bottom 10 wide receivers eight times. Their opponents had an average rank of 18th in terms of team wide receiver fantasy points scored. So am I saying that the Jacksonville secondary isn't good? No. They have a really good secondary, but they also had a really easy uh, schedule in terms of opposing passing games last year, and when they did face really good wide receivers, they gave up the booty, and I think they're going to give up the booty to Odell in week one.
1: Well, that's a big prediction, but if you're going to go out and put your money where your mouth is, it might as well be on the, a freakish talent like Odell Beckham, right? I mean, I, I, Absolutely. I I'm with you and just go back to what Brown and the Andre Hopkins did. I mean, over 25 DK points in the four games against the Jaguars. So that Yeah, right and it's not
0: like those averages were buoyed by some ridiculous game. I think – I don't have it in front of me, but I think the low yardage was like 87 yards uh, by Nuke in one of the games. So it was a very consistent four games for those two receivers uh, against the secondary.
1: Yeah, and you guys have done studies too that it, it's just when a player is that good, I don't want to say matchup proof, but you know there are numbers that show – some of the elite wide receivers just aren't getting shut down yeah elite wide
0: receivers elite wide receivers versus bad secondaries is one of my favorite dfs plays
1: (laughs) and on to the secondaries with misleading fantasy points against to wide receiver numbers last year so let's go you did this with the running backs let's do it the wide receivers now chicago minnesota to start with
0: yeah, I did just want to take a little detour here because I, I mentioned that uh, Jacksonville uh, had a pretty easy wide receiver schedule last year. And and uh, what I did is I just looked at every single team and looked at their opponents' um, uh, fantasy points scored by wide receivers. So uh, Secondaries versus opposing wide receivers. Chicago had the uh, the toughest opposing, opposing wide receiver schedule in terms of opposing fantasy points scored by the position, but they ranked fifteenth uh, in fantasy points allowed. So uh, that's a that's a defense to take note of. We all know Minnesota is a good secondary, but they actually had the the eighth uh, toughest. Schedule in terms of opposing wide receivers And still manage uh, The ninth fewest fantasy points allowed Buffalo
1: being the ninth They're still ranked 11th Houston, Philadelphia on that list as well Let's get back to the wide receivers I'm all excited about Emmanuel Sanders As I already mentioned Right, 5,000 on DK week one Against Seattle You're all about targeting bad secondaries Isn't Seattle on that list now? Or at least (laughs) not nearly as good As the Legion of Boom Because the Legion of Boom has moved on (laughs)
0: you <laughs> Uh, No Cam Chancellor, no Richard Sherman. Sherman's on the Niners, Chancellor retired, and Earl Thomas is in the middle of a holdout, so they might be down. The the entire Legion of Boom might be gone week one. Uh, Sanders is priced uh, well below Demarius Thomas, but I talked about it with Keenum. This is a very concentrated passing game. Both of these receivers, Sanders and Thomas, are going to see a very similar volume. Sanders was on pace for 127 targets last year, which would have been the 13th most in the league. Now he's priced as a wide receiver 26 in week one. Uh, Sanders has seen a slot usage increase each of the last three years, and uh, Seattle was targeted more in the slot than any other secondary last season. Again, fear of the unknown. Sanders was injured. Uh, People don't know what to make of this offense with Case Keenum coming in. Obviously, it's going to be improved, uh, but what's it going to look like with with a, a new workhorse running back? Sanders fits that bill of someone that probably is going to see his price spike after a couple weeks after he starts seeing those eight to nine targets a game again. Doug
1: Baldwin, the rap on the leg. We're going to know more about Doug Baldwin as the, as the, the regular season gets closer. So let's go under the assumption that Baldwin's going to be fine, TJ. Okay? Now, right now he's not, but let's just go under the assumption. He's mm-hmm. feeling great, headed into week one, 6,200 at Denver in a game that you already mentioned could be a sneaky shootout.
0: Sneaky shootout, and I, I don't want to flirt with injuries in DFS. We've shown on four for four that there is a pretty big drop off, especially with wide receivers and leg injuries. But if we get a full Doug Baldwin in in uh, week three dress rehearsal, then I think you uh, that's preseason dress rehearsal. I think you have to just assume he's a full go. Uh, and if he is, this is a wide receiver that should set career high in targets uh, this season, both targets and target share. No Jim, Jimmy Graham, no Paul Richardson. Uh, even though Brian Schottenheimer wants to run a, a run-heavy offense, I don't know that game script's necessarily going to allow it. And again, going back to this no-fly zone, Denver ranked second in fantasy points allowed to wide receivers last year but they ranked 15th in DraftKings points allowed to slot wide receivers. That's per Sports Info Solutions. Uh, So while they were good last year against wide receivers overall, they were just mediocre against the slot. And again, they don't have their full complement of cornerbacks that they did last year.
1: Uh, Here's my guy, Cam Meredith. So we've got a guy in Chicago who was terrific before going down with the knee. He now goes into one of the most prolific passing offenses that there is. Over the last four seasons, uh, the number two passing option or receiving option in a Drew Brees offense is averaging about 184 PPR points, which puts him fringe wide receiver 2-3 territory. If that is what Cam Meredith is, their second receiving option. Now, you could say Alvin Kamara is the second receiving option, but I, I still think Cam Meredith is in for a big one here. Do you think he gets overlooked in week one because of the injury?
0: I don't know if he gets overlooked just because New Orleans is going to be such a popular team to stack against the uh, the Buccaneers secondary, but Meredith wasn't only good. He was great, especially down the stretch of, of the last uh, healthy season that he had back in 2016. He led the Bears in targets last year, and then over the final month of that season, he was the number two wide receiver in PPR. So we've seen it, albeit in a limited uh, sample. He he has league winning, week winning upside. And I'd rather take my chances on a guy that I've at least seen it from than not. And uh Meredith is is gonna be the number two now that the Saints have a reliable number two, which they didn't have last year. I think we see them get back to more of the Sean Payton Drewby's trend that we've seen where they're passing. Closer to sixty two, sixty-three percent in these neutral situations. They're targeting their outside receivers. They just didn't have a number two guy last year, so they were almost forced into riding Kamara and Ingram as much as they did. Obviously, they're very talented guys, but uh, I, I don't think that they necessarily overload their backfields with targets because Meredith is there Let's now.
1: Move on to tight end. And again, you'll listen to DFS MVP, Holden Kushner, TJ Hernandez. Check us out, four for four.com and if you haven't already left us a five-star rating, do it. And uh, you got a chance to win a, some cool swag, a four-for-four four T-shirt, which I am still, I don't even have one of those. So I recommend you give us a five-star rating, even if you think <laughs> it's four stars. Just give us five stars. Tight end. Um, again, going to go right here in my Backyard. Jordan Reed, if he's healthy, play him. He's an elite talent when he plays. I mean, it just might as well play him while he's out there on the field. If he doesn't play, I think Vernon Davis is a great week one play. If if Reed, for whatever, he still hasn't seen the field as we're sitting here August 1st. Reed still has not taken the field in camp yet. But Davis has a history. Vernon Davis has a history with Alex Smith going back to the Niners. Um, Davis has played that role very well, averaging – a little over nine points uh, in the games that he has started in place of Jordan Reed. And you look at down here, if Reed is healthy game one, I'm telling you, uh, TJ, that's somebody that you're really going to want to, uh, it's almost a no-brainer. And Vernon Davis going way down the list as well. I think the, the tight end situation, Davis is 3,900. I think the the tight end situation with the, the Redskins, especially week one against this Arizona uh, defense, is it's just looking really good.
0: Yeah, and, and DraftKings obviously agrees. Kyle Rudolph is the tight end six. And then after that, it's a it's a free-for-all at tight end. It's, it's as bad as it was last year. There's a couple of guys that stick out. But DraftKings is basically saying that they expect the Washington tight end to be a factor. They priced Jordan Reed at 4000 Vernon Davis at 3900 That's the tight end seven and eight. So they're basically just pricing the Washington tight end. They don't care who it is. They're saying this is uh position that's gonna put up points and I think we should listen to yep. it.
1: Uh so that's the the one. A couple guys you point out. Delaney Walker, the most I mean he's just a disrespected man. That's all I could say. It, this guy is a. Uh, he's gonna get the looks in a red zone from Mariota. Tell me a little bit more about why Delaney Walker is looking juicy at forty nine.
0: Yeah, he was one of the most consistent tight ends last year in terms of scoring. Uh, very little variation in his scoring, but similar to Phillip Rivers, uh, with that consistency comes a lack of upside. And that just had a lot to do with the offense that Tennessee was running. If you if you want to see how bad Tennessee was last year in being efficient, I would recommend going to uh Force for Josh Hermsmeyer's Twitter at Frisco Josh. And he basically just went on a on a Twitter rant showing all, all of their horrible quote-unquote exotic smash mouth there's like 30 video clips and it's one of the most entertaining but also depressing things at the same time that I've seen this week uh but but Walker at 4900 I mentioned there's not much in terms of tight end uh especially um just I mean Greg Olson is a question mark after Gronk and Travis Kelsey Zach Ertz isn't even on the main slate uh you get a pretty big drop off from Kelsey at 6400 to Walker at 4900 so I think you're getting uh Uh, one of the safest, if not the safest tight end play at a little bit of a discount. Uh, Walker's uh, touchdown regression candidate that I wrote up. This Tennessee offense is going to be more pass heavy with Matt LaFleur calling plays. And Walker was near the top of the league in terms of red zone target share, uh, fifth at the position last year. But like I said, this just wasn't a pass heavy offense. So that target share translated to only 12 red zone targets. So I think the target share probably stays close to the same in the red zone, even if it drops a little bit because of Rashard Matthews or Corey Davis. Uh, 20% uh, could be a lot more volume just because of the way this offense is going to look.
1: And then let's go back to Andrew Luck. You know, you and mm-hmm. I are on the side of let, let's do it. Let's roll with Luck in week one, at least as it stands now. If his arm ends up falling off by week one, then we obviously don't do that. But that seems a little extreme. So the tight end. He loves using his tight end. Who's the guy to go to?
0: Yeah, most people are, again, People are going to go into week one. They're going to be afraid of those ambiguous situations. People are going to look at Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron, and they're going to say, I need to know which guy is the guy before I spend my DFS bucks on them. But that's the wrong way to think about it. You need to get out ahead of these things. And uh, Doyle ranked third in target share at his position last year. And even if he doesn't maintain that crazy high target share, when Andrew Luck's in the lineup, the Colts just target the tight end. We've seen it with Kobe Fleeter and Dwight. Wayne Allen there's enough to go around they're going to run two tight ends at the same time and when they're out there Andrew Luck's going to target them and Andrew Luck's last two healthy seasons the Colts raked in the top three in total tight end draft kings points I think Doyle still maintains that role over Ebron and he's the red zone target now who else is there TY's not a red zone guy Moncrief is out of there Jack Doyle's their red zone option and if Luck's throwing touchdowns you want his red zone target a
1: thoughts on paying up week one for Gronkowski and Kelsey, and also given the fact that you mentioned it's a toss-up year-to-year on defenses against tight ends, even though Houston was horrible against the tight end position last year, they're obviously bringing back some healthy bodies. The Chargers last year, terrific against the tight end, but Gronkowski, Kelsey, I and mean, what situation would you play either one of those guys?
0: if I build a lineup that I can afford them where I'm stacking those games, that's pretty much it. I, I don't think that I see a situation where, especially just the way I've been clicking around in cash games, paying up at tight ends is going to make it really tough to uh, get some consistency at those positions that you want consistency at in cash games. That's a quarterback and running back. It's, it's going to make it really tough if you pay up for those guys, uh, especially Travis Kelsey. I, I see myself, Having a lot of Kansas City uh, and Los Angeles Charger correlation lineups going in a week one, uh, so obviously if I'm doing that, I'm gonna find myself with a fair amount of Kelsey. Um, I mean Gronk, it just comes down. It's Gronk's. That's a week in, week out question with Gronk. Uh, are you gonna be able to pay up for him? He has the hashtag nice 6,900. That's probably a a little bit low for him. Sometimes after we get rolling a little bit, he's closer to the top tier wide receivers in terms of salary. So maybe you're getting a little bit of a discount, Uh, but I think I'll have more Kelsey than Gronk. And then
1: to the defenses. Do not sleep on defense. You want any edge you can take. Spend some time. Is there a certain um, price range that you're looking at in cash games? Let's just talk about cash here for a second. Any price range that you go in with a preconceived notion, saying I'm going to look here, and then if I got the extra money, I'll spend, or if I don't have the money, I'll drop down.
0: Salaries general generally pretty flat um, at at defense, and and there's rarely a spot where DraftKings has done a pretty good job of of pricing these favorites uh, where they should be. Uh, the most obvious uh, teams in terms of game script have been near the top of salary, but. I'm I'm not necessarily going into it saying uh, I need to spend X amount of dollars obviously if there's a punt option it's my favorite position to punt so if I can find someone uh in that 25 to 3000 range I'll I'll do it there's very rarely DraftKings very rarely offers someone uh at that minimum price range that is very attractive unless there's some team that just has some crazy punt returner that you you think you're going to get upside with uh, so usually that three to, uh, 3,000 to 3,500 range isn't going to be on the cheap end of defenses, but it's going to be give you enough flexibility at your other positions where it's not killing you to, quote-unquote, spend up at the position.
1: All right, so you think that Odell could be going yeah. off um, against Jacksonville. Maybe the Giants put up some points and Bortles has to throw. Any thoughts to a much maligned Giants defense went out? trying to patch a lot of holes at home against Jacksonville, 2,600 tournament,
0: man. The reason I like Odell is because the, the wide receiver is the one position that doesn't need all those factors to fall into place, to put up good games. They could do it in negative game script. Uh, I still think Jacksonville could get after Eli. Eli. I still think it's an offense that could put up I don't know, maybe 250 passing yards with a couple of interceptions, and Odell can can still win you tournaments in that situation. But uh, man, I'm gonna have to, I'm really gonna have to be told a story where I'm rostering the Giants
1: because Jacksonville's defense could score by all means too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, sure. a, it's possible with Eli Manning at quarterback. Just throwing it out there. Here's the two teams that you highlighted: the Titans, the Patriots. What do you like? About yeah, they're just
0: the only, um, only favorites that I noticed that are really cheap compared to the field. The Titans are only one-point favorites as of now at 2,900, but Miami arguably has the worst offensive line in the league, and that might end up being... The worst offense because of that offensive line with Tan Hill under center. Uh, you want to follow those QB pressures because quarterback pressure leads to turnovers. Turnovers lead to points. And again, I talked about it with Buffalo earlier. Those bad offenses are going to leave uh, your teams in in really good pos- field position and really good game script. That's what we want from our defenses. Patriots uh, weren't a good passing defense last year. They improved a lot in the second half of the season, which you aren't going to notice if you look at their season long numbers. But you're getting huge home favorites, touchdown home favorites. Uh, Priced as a defense, 16 at 2,400. Houston, offense, and Watson as a whole are due for some regression. Uh, Watts, uh, Deshaun Watson someone that I wrote up as a negative regression candidate. He throws deep balls at the highest rate in the league, at least last year on his limited sample. Those deep balls are going to lead to high variance. And Watson was so good last year that people didn't realize or at least just didn't talk about that. He had the third highest interception rate in the league. So if you got a situation where Houston's playing from behind their quarterback throws interceptions at a high rate and he's throwing high variance balls. I mean, why not take a shot at the Patriots, even if you don't think their defense is good in real life.
1: Yeah. I think it's just target the bad teams. Now that's you're all, you're often going to have to pay up. I mean, you don't want to have to throw 3,800 at the Ravens because they're hosting Buffalo, but there are there's a couple of teams that stand out, even though they're on the road. And I'm with you here on the Titans too at Miami. I get that Tannehill's coming back, but that Miami team is a abject dumpster faster. And week one, yeah, new coach, a lot of good, a lot of good energy going on um, at least from Narrative Street. But that, that team is horrible in Miami. Titans defense mm-hmm. rampant. I like it a lot. I like it a <laughs> lot too. I think we'll just leave it. Oh that yeah. way, right? I like it. A lot, uh, double dips. What are you talking about? Double dips. What are we? Yeah, about uh,
0: there's there's situations we talk about stacking a uh, uh, under uh, utilized stack. I think is when you could pair up a defense with a position player who is also their punt returner. With the new kickoff rules now, I think it's we could pretty much ignore the kick returner, but the punt returner returner on a defense uh, if they take one to the house you get double points. Christian McCaffrey is going to be returning punts for the Panthers. Uh, Panthers are in a decent spot against uh, Dallas at home. And then we talked about the Saints. A lot of people are going to be stacking that Saints offense. But, uh, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick might be okay, but he also might be really bad. Ted Ginn's going to be a probably somewhat ignored player on that offense. He's also going to be returning punts. Uh, If you can play him and the the Saints at the same time, uh, those are two double dips to think about
1: always like Teddy Ginn more on FanDuel, and I, I'm sure you do too. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're just looking for a big play there. Yep. To me, Teddy, we'll see where he's priced on FanDuel, but I really think that would apply over there too. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. Definitely uh, not going to be a, a high-volume target guy, but uh, you know, if you're playing those big GPPs and you're looking for some correlation and upside, uh, I don't know, if you have 20 Saints lineups, why not throw one with Ginn in the Saints?
1: Any last words before I go on a spiel?
0: Uh, We have a lot uh, coming up on DFS on 444, updating a ton of studies that we've done in the past, really focusing in, On getting you guys prepared for the season, like I said, uh, don't overlook this stuff. This is all the work that's going to have you really ready for week one. Uh, We have some new tools coming out, uh, big upgrades to the lineup generator. I'm going to be releasing videos for that when week one salaries drop. Uh, So I'm I'm going to go through my whole process on four for four, so you know exactly how to use these tools. And just because we did this episode doesn't mean we're not going to have a full week one breakdown. Uh, once John Paulson's uh, projections are are in and we have the lineup generator, there's going to be a lot more detail to dive into, probably a lot of values that we've overlooked here. Again, these are just the ones that jumped out on me. We're going to go really deep uh, come week one. And then for you uh, preseason degens, I'll be writing up some of my fa- favorite preseason plays throughout the uh, preseason for Fandle and DraftKings.
1: You know, I think that's, there's a lot of people that just brush it off. Say, oh, you're, I, I hate, first of all, I hate the word degenerate. <laughs> like anybody that gambles is a degenerate, yeah. get out of here with that. <laughs> a lot of us are like gambling that aren't degenerates, but people just scoff at preseason NFL. And I think there's a way it's kind of like WNBA. No one really pays attention to it. And Vegas books are not great at pricing the players. Well, it's a completely different beast in the NFL and preseason two. And if you do your homework, you're going to have a massive advantage. Massive you're gonna
0: advantage. get a you're gonna get a boost to that week one bankroll. You're gonna have some confidence going into the year. Your bankroll's a little padded going into the, into uh, week one. Just wait till till, till you see these write ups and we're talking about ownership percentages. It these starters don't play in preseason except for the dress rehearsal. A lot of these guys, the Tom Brady's is the world, they're gonna play one series and you'll see twenty percent ownership on them. That alone should make you want to play.
1: Oh, I'm getting excited! I want to play. There's a there is a way to get interested in Week One preseason, and it's to to get invested in DFS. All right, so here's here's a couple of things for you. First of all, uh, we have three podcasts now: the aforementioned John Paulson and his most accurate podcast, which is spectacular. Uh, make sure you listen to that and subscribe. You've got my new podcast, Fantasy First. Where TJ, you probably listen to it at least once. It's I do the work for you. I'm going to give you 8 to 10 minutes. I'm going to tell you all the stories you need to know. I'm going to get analysis from you and Paulson and everybody else that works. And all you got to do is listen. It's going to save you at least a half an hour in your busy day. You don't got to read it. I'll give you the news. Then you can move on with your day. If you subscribe and listen to that, I'd appreciate it. Give us the five stars on that too. I'd love it. But you get a big shot here on DFS MVP. Because you use our code DFS MVP, you get 25% off a DFS subscription and all the cool stuff TJ was just talking about. And if you rate and review this show, you got a chance to win a t-shirt. Five-star review. You got to give us five stars. You'll automatically be entered to win. So that's a lot going on. But this was a fun show. See, this is what it's going to be like during the season. This is why I'm here. I love this.
0: I'm excited. I cannot wait. Uh, It's... uh... I'm feeling 2018. I, I think it's it's the year of the 4 for 4. I can't wait to see uh, what we have in store Ooh. coming this year.
1: Year of the 4 for 4. Yeah, man. Well, there's a T-shirt. I think I'm going to make that for myself <laughs> then. If I can't get one for you guys, fine. I'll just make up my own one. Year of the 4 for 4. Wonderful. So listen, subscribe, stars, everything else. TJ, send us out, buddy.
0: Uh, catch me On Twitter at TJ Hernandez, catch uh, Holden at Holden Radio. Everything we do at 444.com. we got a lot coming throughout the offseason. We're we're full go. Every Thursday, DFS MVP. Talk to you guys next week. My whole clique victorious yeah. Taking no presents with us Straight up warriors oh, wow. When I feel it Then that I know you be feeling so glorious Every place to reminisce Of my people now notorious If you do really do wanna party like that? Let me see This with you got for me Put all your hands With my eyes to see Straight buck violent In the place to be If you really wanna party with me Let me see This with what that, you got for me Put all your hands With my eyes to see Straight buck violin In
1: the place to be